Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm Simon Sweetman. I'm your host. And this is brought to you by Tea Leaf Tea, Le Petit Chocolat and Yeasty Boys as always. It's a conversation with a guy called Adam Page. He's an Australian um, born and Australian based now, Adelaide based saxophonist, composer, multi-instrumentalist. Uh, Adam lived in Wellington for a few years and you know that's when I met him for the first time and um, and he, he sort of swiftly involved himself in the Wellington music scene. He came over and played a couple of shows, uh, one as a solo show and then he came back and collaborated with Strike. Shortly after that he moved here and he ended up playing with God, I don't know, 50 bands. He played with everyone. He, he composed um, for symphony orchestras here. Um, he did all sorts of things, improv gigs, covers, solo shows, kind of comedy stuff almost, and then you know very, very serious stuff as well as just sitting in on a bunch of recordings and setting up some regular shows, some, some weekly kind of go-to gigs that are still happening. Um, funnily enough, Adam was going to be the very first guest on this podcast. He, I think it was right around the time he was moving back to Australia. Um, he and I had wanted to have a conversation. We'd, we'd met, we'd had some co- a little bit of you know chat about music, but uh, we both wanted to have a conversation. And I was just sort of getting the podcast set up, and um, I can't remember what happened. Basically, I didn't have my shit together. I didn't. I wasn't quite organised to record a conversation with him, and I had to say, "Oh no, look, we'll do that some other time." And of course, he's been in Australia. He was back um, just before Christmas to play a, a single show and I guess to catch up with some people. And um, so I dropped him a line and he was like, yeah, let's have a chat. We had a really tight one hour window because he was off to go and get a tattoo to, to mark being back in New Zealand. Um, and we had a fantastic conversation. Turns out we love so much of the same music. We sort of uh, had a lot of similar experiences with connecting with music. So we talk a lot about that and then a lot about kind of who he is and how he's, what he's done and how he's got to, you know, how he's got to the sorts of things he does. We don't talk a whole lot about his music as such, we sort of talk about him, which I really like and, and what's shaped him and what's informed who he is and what he's going on to do. You'll hear some snippets of the music, that it, some of the music he's been involved with um, and I'll, I'll share the links to his new record label that he's set up and he's got some brand new releases out, um, some under his own name, some where he's guesting with some of the people on his label. Um, but Adam is a, an absolute musical force. It was a great pleasure to finally sit down and, and get to know him better and to have this chat. And, I, uh, you know, I love all of these conversations and I always say that, but um, this was one of my absolute favourites, getting to... I guess getting to make this one happen because it all came flooding back to me on the walk down to meet him that yeah he was going to be the first guest for this podcast and and here he is like nearly 100 episodes later so um, yeah this is me talking with with Adam Page. We want, we want to wait until we can have a discussion with her about yeah, it. Get, know, get, yeah, that's a really cool So idea. that we can sort of say to her, hey, this thing is called the internet. And yeah. this is something that, you know, see the TV over there. That's that's like broadcasting all this sort of information. And so, mm. and this this internet thing, once you say something on the internet, it's there forever. Yeah. Um, and we... we want to have because we've we've learned that the hard way we have yeah and, yeah and are still learning it yeah and um and and uh that's really interesting she's of the generation i guess my kid you know we've just stumbled into it and he has some grasp of the internet but obviously not really mm. and but his whole life is going to be you know lived on line and in, in so many yeah. ways yeah and it's yeah it's quite huge isn't it that 
It's massive. I mean, coming as a like from a from an analog native, I guess you could call mm. me. You know, <laughs> this the 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 introduction of the internet in my life. I mean, it was it it, it yes, it did come quite quickly, but mm. the, the sort of the 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 inclusion of social media was it's been a slow burner, you know, mm. and and then all of a sudden with with Facebook, just you know, you, just information is is. Well, mm. so much irrelevant information is everywhere, mm. you know, but you have little control over it. Yeah, You know, yeah, you yeah. have little control of how people perceive you and, yeah. you know, and that's scary, you know, especially for someone that, that is, is born into this world, yeah. not knowing that, you know, they're... There is a, a place called privacy, well, but, <laughs> but you know it's hard, so much well, harder to find nowadays. I mean, you ask anyone that works in in the big tech industries or or, or comments on them, you know, mm. maybe works for a living as a as a critic of of um, technology and and new developments, and they will tell you flat out, privacy does not exist. Mm. It doesn't. You know, anyone yeah. anyone maintaining some moral standard mm. is frankly deluded yeah. you know and how frightening is that and oh you can't God. you know you can't beat it like you can't you know the, the, even the notion of going off grid mm. is, is you know an illusion exactly because you know, then as soon as you know most of the time when people say they're going off grid you know mm. they broadcast the fact and so everyone knows yeah, they're totally. off grid so it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit like people saying um, I'm a little bit OCD yeah. Which I hate, you know. It's got, you know, it's one of those blatant sort of like misunderstandings of. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> and it's funny we started talking about this because um, one of the things that quite often comes up when I talk to musicians or actors or anyone is, you know, we'll talk about reviews and whether you read reviews. And I always say, anyone who says they don't read reviews is usually not telling the truth. Mm. But now, even if you, and or not just reviews, criticism, or you know of a particular thing you've done and even if it's not formal you actually can't avoid it because of exactly yeah. what you're talking about someone puts it under your nose yeah yeah you know, like like when people say to me oh you must get a lot of grief you know are you aware of the grief you get of course i am because even if i i don't mind reading the comments and i've sort of trained myself it's part of what i do but mm. but also uh, i get tagged in things that i don't you know and i you know i might remove the tag if everyone wants to have a good old laugh at me um, I sort of it's sort of better if I just let them. Yeah. You know, I don't. You know, I'm not going to play into it. Mm. I might defend myself briefly if it's something that I think is really, really unfair. Yeah. About, about you know, I used to get this stuff like, I I watched him walk out of the show, and it's like, well, I walked out of heaps of shows, but not that one. So I, yeah. I actually was there. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say, oh no, 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 you got that wrong. I didn't walk out of that show. This yeah. was this was the encore, but I still hated it. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but. You realise that's a silly thing to do. You can't win by exactly. Know, the internet's not about winning; it's about turning up. You exactly. Know? And you choose. You either buy into it or you don't. And if mm. you don't buy into it, good on you. But it's quite hard work. That that's it. that becomes an active role. Absolutely. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. it's an active role making yourself inactive on the internet. Absolutely. You know? And but I mean, I I, I had some um, some really. Uh, negative feedback on one of my YouTube videos once. This was right right, right. back early on when, yeah, you know... YouTube, when, seem, YouTube comments seem to be a special kind of hell. Yeah, yeah, like, well, because, you know, people are on YouTube, mm, you know, are, are spilling their hearts sometimes with mm, their art, you know, mm, and mm. so so I put up, you know, these improvised solos, etc., and then there was this comment that, you know, someone, I can't remember what she wrote, she just wrote, you know, ha, ah, what a loser, all this sort of stuff, yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah. really, like... 
nothing really about my art, but just yeah, like just yeah. saying that I was a dick, you know. Yeah. And um, and I'm like, this is really interesting. I'm gonna check out her work. And so I, I checked yeah. out her channel, and she was a uh, I think like a 16 or 17 year old um, Canadian girl who was who made these films, right, and had you know these special effects in the films. And I'm like, wow. And so I watched some of her stuff, and I I wrote back to her comment, and yeah. I said, hey, um. Thanks for your feedback. You know, I checked out some of your work, and it's like, wow, it's it's really it's it's really cool what you're doing there. And, you know, mm. I can see that you're influenced by George Lucas, and I can see that there's you know all this sort of stuff you know mm. going on. And I said, look, keep keep doing what you're doing. And and just as a you know as a as a side note, I've been in this entertainment industry industry for probably longer than you've been alive. You know, and and constructive criticism is the way to kind of really engage with other artists yeah. and so just maybe have a think about how you comment on other people's work Did you know she, and, and she wrote back and said you're an ugly cunt no she actually she actually wrote back and said yeah. oh yeah um, oh, thanks so much for checking my stuff I, I saw some of your other videos and yeah I really like what you you yeah. know and I sort of you know I, I you, killed her with kindness yeah, you know totally. like but it's it's important you know for, yeah. for, for younger people to to know that Yes, behind this veil of the internet, you yes. can say whatever you want, right? Yes. But actually, you know, you, you're you're messing with people's feelings, and but you're messing yeah. with people's like 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 deep deep emotions through their yeah. art, and yeah. like you know, I mean, I'm I'm thick skinned, you know, yeah, I'm really. Yeah, yeah. But someone out there might have taken it really, really sort of personally, yeah, yeah, you know, and so it's. You know that whole trolling thing, man. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. I, I get it because you're anonymous, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can be you can have a username like Joe yeah. Blogs and just go out and troll fifty thousand yeah. people and just feel good about yourself. But yeah, yeah. Well, that was the. I mean, again, that was probably when I was doing the daily blog with my photo there and my name. The thing that baffled me the most was that people could feel good about themselves like they'd earned a point on the internet yeah. by writing you're just an anonymous keyboard warrior to me sure and they have the other one with the fake name and no photo exactly it's like there's nothing <laughs> fucking anonymous about what I'm doing and someone someone once wrote to me and said they're going to burn my house down because I didn't like a hip hop show there's nothing fucking anonymous about you know and when I wrote back and said you know good on you you know I'm going to forward this message to the police he wrote back and said I'll fucking burn the police too and then I looked at last education and all that was listed was a kindergarten so I was like well, I'm not yeah. interacting with this dude anymore <laughs> yeah, like, right. we're done you know sure like, sure sure so you know it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's let, well let's go back to where you you know you, you say you've been in the in the entertainment industry for longer than this 16 or 17 year old has been alive I, I first heard of you as a lot of Kiwis did I guess I don't know when it was now but over half a decade ago, you turned up and played mm. a Fringe Festival show. It was actually before that. It was um, uh, playing with Strike. When was that? That was... Like 2009 or 10 or something? It or? would have been 2008. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was... Uh, oh, so you did that first thing, came back and did the solo show, and then came back and did Strike again or whatever. Like. Yeah, it, I, I came yeah. over and... Um, no, you know what? That's what it was. It was the solo show first because I met yeah. I met Marcus Stitz, um, yeah. awesome German dude. He's, he's ended up being a really great friend of mine. Yeah. Um, at four o'clock in the morning in Edinburgh, um, and, and and he was and he was um, the marketing manager at Downstage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and he yeah. said to me, "Hey man, you come, should you should come. We'll, we'll put your show. On. Yeah, we'll yeah. put your show on. And, and you know, Edinburgh is full of sort of mm. false four AM promises, right? Yes, yeah. And I uh, I didn't 
think that anything was going to come of this. And so a couple of weeks after Edinburgh, he, he got in touch again and said, hey, look, I've got, you know, I've got this 20-show season mm. and um, come on over. I'm like, sure, fantastic. Yeah. And that was, I mean, I'd, I'd been to Wellington a couple of times um, before that, touring with the band back in the early 2000s. And I, uh, I loved Wellington. I remember mm. I came here twice and I was just like, this place is unbelievable i don't know what it is but i'm gonna live here one day i just had this this mm. deep feeling and mm. um and then when it i came a back while and then it happened and then it happened yeah but yeah. um but yeah so that was that was well, 2008 yeah so because i remember seeing that show and then yeah like six months or whatever a few months later mm. you're back you do the strike thing that's, come yeah, back that's again, right. mm. um a few times and then sometime after that you sort of make this call to to live here which mm. you do for a few years couple of years uh three years three. yeah and we'll, we'll get into that a bit more and a bit because I, I feel like um i mean you came to wellington and, and in many ways you really lit a fuse i mean you got so involved in so mm. many projects with so many people and i know you got a lot out of that yeah, yeah. and we can talk about that but you gave a lot mm. and a lot of people really felt felt that um but you know for for, for people who know your work know of you met you but maybe don't know the full story where, where did music come into your life I mean, you grew up in Adelaide no I grew up um, in a couple of places my dad was in forestry um, in South Australia and so I grew up on forest reserves until I was in grade four I think it was um, so my backyard was you know 50,000 hectares of pine forest yeah it was rad man <laughs> like <laughs> it was the coolest yeah. and so Mount Burr then Panola um, and then we moved to Mount Gambier, which is, um, you know, it's a, a, well, they call it a city, but, you know, a city mm. of 20,000. Mm. Um, and large town. Large town, exactly. Mm. But it was when I was in Panola that I first uh, was introduced to, um, to music, I guess, and I was playing drums, right, in the, I was in grade three, I think it was, and um, I remember jamming with, like, the year seven rock band. It was like, wow, mm. like, I'm a rock star. This is amazing. Mm. And I'll never forget it, actually. It was just, it, I had this immense joy just behind the kit, and, I, you know, I was probably terrible. Well, I, I can I probably guarantee yeah, I was terrible, yeah, yeah. but... But that was, I, I mean, think, apart that was from a YouTube huge... videos. No one arrives at the drum kit fully formed. Eh? Exactly, like, exactly. If, if, if that happened, it's on YouTube. Everyone, exactly. else, everyone else is hopeless when they first. Oh, start. totally, totally, like, totally. Bitten by some sort of bug bite, like yeah. want to do it again. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, then um, uh, I moved on to clarinet when I when we moved to Mount Gambier when I was in grade four, and then uh, yeah, sort of realised early on that um that music was a big part of my life you know and um started playing the saxophone and around about the time that I started playing the saxophone is when I realized in high school that I kind of wasn't really that good at anything else like <laughs> in terms right. of school yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know I got by I jumped through the academic hoop but you know didn't excel in any way but that's mm. when I worked out that you know if you befriend your teachers they won't fail you so um <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. you know I was, I was a nice guy you know and my kindness <laughs> yeah totally totally but um yeah so uh, and that's that's kind of I guess I had a really amazing upbringing um with music we had a few uh we had a few incredible musicians come through town that spent a bit of time in Mount Gambia and ran uh, big bands and you know improvisation and comp composition workshops and all that sort of stuff mm. um, which was really it was a unique experience because you know it's such a small town but there's a bunch of us from that era that are out still doing music you mm. know that were really mm. kind of inspired by that and 
And there's this massive festival in, in, in Mount Gambier called the Generations in Jazz Festival where uh, when I did the first Generations in Jazz Festival, it was in 1995, I reckon, and... Um, it was uh, a thing run by James Morrison, who's a yep. trumpet player, and they do this this finalist, well, sorry, this this, this um, like jazz awards thing where there's six finalists, and then there's a big band, like a school big band competition. Mm. And the first year there was seven big bands, I think, and the big band I played in was in it. Um, nowadays there's 150 or 160 wow. big bands, yeah. um, uh, around about 90 choirs. It's massive, right? Mm. It's huge, but that moment was was when it all kind of like clicked for me yeah and there was this saxophonist a guy called jamie ollers who's a magnificent tenor player he was in this um in this competition and um it just blew my mind i was in year 10 and i just went that's it that's what i want to do yeah i want to i want to be on that stage i want to do what that guy's doing i mean i've never in my life up to this day to this day got anywhere near the kind of saxophonist that jamie is right. and still is to this day <laughs> yeah but that was it yeah. That was the moment that it all clicked. And, and you know, before that, I was improvising a lot at school, like jamming mm. heaps. And, you know, the music room was, was my safe place. You know, I would, I would run mm. recess and lunchtime. I, I couldn't wait to get there, to get on the old, old skanky Wurlitzer in the back room and just jam and write stuff. And so it was kind of, it was already there, but it, mm. it just required that moment. Because, um, I mean, all this talk about improvisation and, and big band stuff, I was going to ask if jazz is what hits you first with saxophone or, you know, was it some of the kind of rock saxophone playing or oh, was it look, just, man, every, just everything? It like, was you, everything. You could find that... When I first... When I was really into the saxophone, I was also into, like... The shredders on guitar and, yeah, like, right. and people like Joe Satriani and um, Vi, yeah. Eddie Van Halen was yeah, huge, yeah. and I, I actually. But there's such a logical parallel between the saxophone and the guitar. Absolutely, right? you can replicate the solos. Totally, yeah. So I note stuff. So yeah, exactly. Actually, it exactly. Instantly translates. Yeah. yeah. So even though I don't sound like Eddie Van Halen at yeah. all on the saxophone, yeah. I I completely attribute his energy to my confidence right, yeah, you know yeah. so as a young with the snapper learning how to play the saxophone i wanted to sound like eddie van halen mm. right mm. and i didn't care that i didn't sound like him playing those notes i thought to myself I, i'm sounding like this guitarist because i've got the same intent yeah you know yeah. and so it wasn't anything to do with the notes it was just to do with the intent and so um you know like i, I found in eddie van halen like this this God, yeah. basically. Oh, look, one one musical argument I cannot ever leave alone is when someone just decides Eddie Van Halen or Van Halen as garbage. Like I can I can totally understand why a person in this day and age might have missed them and might mm. not want to go back and might not want to listen to them, might yep. have been into them and got over it. But anyone who just decides, oh, that's you know what he did was not. Yeah. Important in any way. I just I can't let that alone. I because, can't because of like you know as you're saying he had this kind of cool factor. I mean yeah. by by many accounts he's an asshole of a human being. Of course. But as a musician he had this cool factor and he actually invented a, a language. He did on the guitar. You he know absolutely. And, and some of that influence as with any anything some of that influence you know it trickles off and becomes profoundly awful. Mm. But that's not his fault really. Like, no. You know. No. But uh, you know I just think like. I remember somehow telling some story one night and mentioning Eddie Van Halen and saying, you know, at that point, greatest guitar player in the world. And this woman said to me, you've got to be joking. I mean, the greatest guitar player in the world 
is obviously Jimmy Page or or, or Eric Clapton. And I just, you know, I was just like, we're talking about the fucking early 1980s. Yeah. Like, they did not matter at all. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. He was the thing that mattered, and I got so furious about Yeah, him. yeah. And obviously I walk away afterwards and go, what a dickhead about myself, but I cannot let that one go. Oh, you know? I, I arc <laughs> up as well. Like, yeah. the, the, thing, the thing about Van Halen, I think, that has actually kind of made people turn away is is their inconsistency in mm. terms of the, the vocalists. Okay. Mm. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge like David Lee Roth era fan yeah, yeah. I'm also a huge um, uh, Sammy Hagar era fan because yeah, that's same. when I that's when I same. met Van Halen yeah, same. Right, I met Van Halen I when, knew one or two of the early yeah. songs but I really album wise that's when I yeah met. so for Unlawful yeah. Carnal Knowledge for me was like mind blowing mm. that was in what 1991 mm. and so I'm in year year 8 year 9 I think um Something, yeah, yeah, and and it just blew me away. And, yeah. and at that point, it was just like far out. I love this. And then, yeah. I, and then I went back and just went, oh, yeah, I know all this music. Yeah, but yeah. you know, and so I followed them through with um, with um, Sammy. And then, of course, they broke up. And then, then Gary Sharon joined, and yeah. I, I think that, that was the worst. For anyone, that didn't yeah. work for anybody. I went, I, that's the only time <laughs> I've ever seen them. Was that? Yeah, the same. only time they came here that same. I'm aware of, like they possibly came here in the very early days, but yeah. not to Wellington. So I saw that show. Yeah, that would have that would have been around mid about to late 90s. Ni- yeah, it would have been like '96, I reckon. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, you know, it was great to see because yeah. it was still Van Halen, but it was, but it didn't really work. It didn't work. It didn't <laughs> yeah. work at all. And now they've got Dave again, and I think yeah. it's just a cash cow. Yeah, yeah like because yeah. they hate each other still. They yeah. still they still tour in different yeah. buses, and yeah. you know, and and so you, I don't know. Anyway, I but, interviewed. Um, Alex Van Halen once, just, oh, wow. just on the phone, but it was it was one of the. <laughs> Is first. he a good dude? He was awesome. Yeah, he, he seems re- like a yeah, good dude. He was, re- you know, I mean, I think like you know the notion of him talking to it was, I think it was around the time of that double greatest hits they did, where it oh, was yeah. kind of like trying to bring together the two different vocalists and mm. the two eras and put them together. That's right. Um, so like my early early two thousands, and um, yeah, it was one of the first interviews with a big name I'd done I was mm. really pumped about it really nervous yeah. and I think you know the notion of him talking to someone like me in, in a place like New Zealand was just a kind of goof off anyway to really <laughs> give a fuck but, he, but you know he, he wasn't a dickhead he was really cool yeah, yeah, he really yeah. indulged me told great stories he, you know the manager stayed on the line for a while kept coming back in and they had a great rapport and were, you know it was very memorable to awesome. me like as, as an experience it was mm. kind of like wow if every interview's like this mm. sign me up and of course not yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, totally. but, but it made me like him and the band you know a whole lot more again like I'm just yeah. so invested in, in, mm. in the music all over again sure yeah. I, I see Alex as being the rock yeah you know like yeah. absolutely you don't hear from you don't hear a peep from Alex yeah, really yeah 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 you know but yeah. you know Eddie and and whoever is singing at the time is just you know yeah. doing whatever they need to do to kind of, you know, release their pent-up energy. But Alex yeah. is just like, boom, yeah. I'm just yeah, going to yeah. stay here on the rock. And, and he was the first, for me, you know, again, it's that thing of it, like Eddie being the guitar hero for a lot of people from our generation. Alex Van Halen was the first drum hero for me outs- yeah. outside of all that inherited stuff, you know, John Bonham, Ginger sure, Baker, Ringo sure. Starr, whatever. All yeah. that stuff was great and still mm. love those players. But but Alex has got like a, a oh, lot of each of those yes, as well, you yes, know. Yes, totally. Like, yeah, listen yeah. to for teacher, you know, yeah, like yeah. that's just straight out of Moby Dick, you know, yeah, and like totally, <laughs> totally, yeah, totally, and uh, you know, 
but he yeah he, he, it was sort of like I felt like I discovered him myself you know yeah, what I mean like cool. I didn't find him in my parents record collection you know, yeah like, yeah so, so that that always means quite a lot mm, definitely yeah, yeah okay so you're into shred guitar but you're, you're you're doing a version of that on the saxophone mm. but by the way can I just interrupt yeah. there it's pretty awesome that we just spoke so deeply about Van Halen this oh. is a this is a big part of me yeah, man yeah, you course, know I did not expect I, this I no, did not no, no, expect no, this yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's nice to be it's nice to be reciprocal you know in <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, oh yeah. man you did Van Halen yeah, too yeah yeah Fantastic. yeah it's like I think Van Halen fans eventually sniff each other I, I think so I think so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 Um. so you yeah so what else is going on for you in terms of your listening and your playing and those early oh, look, you know, experiences my dad was awesome is awesome and but he was he was really awesome when I was starting out um he was so supportive, continues to be so supportive. Mm. Um, and he he went to Adelaide for a work trip and went to this um, record store and said, hey, look, my son has just started playing saxophone. Um, what, what can I get him? What can I get him? You yeah. know, and he ended up coming home with a Michael Brecker album, Now You See It, Now You Don't, mm. and John Coltrane plays the blues. Mm. All right? And, like, oh, man, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. I, I'll never forget putting on Coltrane Plays the Blues and it just it was a, it was something I'd never heard before it was yeah. it was alien yeah. it was completely alien but it it got me I can still pinpoint where I was when I heard Love Supreme which, oh, was, yeah. which was my first yeah, it intro, gets you. Man, look, look at me. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm goosebumping yeah, up yeah, big yeah, time. Yeah, like yeah. it was, and it was that that moment as mm. well. Like there's so many so many moments in mm. my life that that had kind of defined what has become you know me and um but that i remember sitting on my on my desk in my bedroom and putting it on and just going because the first tunes on soprano saxophone as well and it was just like what what is this yeah. language you know with with elvin jones and mccoy tyner and jimmy garrison and it's just like oh man this this language is something I've, i i need in in me yeah you know yeah. and and i think I, what I saw in John Coltrane was exactly the same thing as I saw in Eddie Van Halen, and that is intent, and that mm. is just pure yeah. outness. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just play out. Yeah. They've got their sound. Like Eddie Van Halen's sound is pretty damn consistent. Yep. You know. Yeah. And as as was Coltrane's, yep. even like in the very first albums, right to the real out there free stuff, it's like you can tell it's Coltrane. Oh, totally. You yeah, can yeah, totally yeah. tell it's Coltrane. Yeah. And then and then with the Brecker thing, I I found like really deep emotion mm. in his playing, especially um. Uh, oh man, the ballad that's on that album. It's been so many years, I can't remember what it is, but it's its just so mm. heart-wrenching. I mean, because for me, man, I used to love Always With Me, Always With You, the Satchel oh, yeah, tune. Totally. You know, that's just like, <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the walking down the yeah. aisle song, you know. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and also, like, oh, Stevie Ray Vaughan was another mm. big one for me, mm. and I used to listen to um, Life By The Drop, oh, yeah. like, from the Sky Is Crying album, mm. like, every day, mm. every day um, for years. Mm. You know that how it slows down a little bit there, and and you know, and it was that emotion that like really, really got me. So, so from from Brecker, I got that like real emotional attachment, even though some may say he's quite a mathematical player, which he is. He's got his licks. He's got like again, he's got that sound, which is Michael Brecker. Yeah, you know, but um, and he's that kind of much as he did a lot of great stuff as a leader or a soloist mm. or whatever he's he's that session guy he's so the that, session guy you know, man like he's that's how I first knew his stuff all the Paul Simon oh, things and stuff which are mint you know the oh, playing yeah, beautiful yeah. but again you know I can hear totally. I can yep. hear Bricket in yep. anything yep. anything you play and it's like and all I need is like one one note 
Yeah. It's Brecket. And it's and I think that's Roger Fox pulled him out here once and oh, uh, really? like maybe about a year or two before you are talking about when you came here. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. Like it was very short, you know, I mean he died yeah. a year a year or so after. Like, yeah. You know, pretty was well, pretty close. So to he it. must have been sick then as well. I reckon he was yeah. it was fucking great anyway. It was really amazing to Man, see. I bet, know? I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so yeah, Brecker. Hmm. Um, Coltrane, and that's when that's when the floodgates opened. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We had a we had a little record store down in Mount Gambier called Disco Records and Tapes. Yeah, <laughs> and um, I used to just just spend hours and yeah, and I got a job working at the Great Australian Ice Creamery and um, just spent all my money on on CDs. Yeah, and and that was that was cool because that was pre-internet as well, and. Um, you know, I would I would spend hours like listening to music in that store and mm. just and buying stuff that I thought I'd like and I'd end up not liking. Yeah. Um, and you know, but that was that that was me sort of discovering it, discovering it in in real time. Uh, you know, like I find with the internet. Um, yes, I was going to say it's kind of like a deep research going on there, right? Yeah. I think because yeah. I think with inter- with the 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 advent of the internet, we've we've lost. Yeah. Um, our sense of intrigue, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's for me, that's the big one. And personally as well, like I really miss those days of just knowing that the only way I can access this music is mm-hmm. through my own kind of slow research, but also yes. the knowledge of the record store, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, owner and, um, yeah. and to be... I don't know, to, to take my time with it, you know, and to discover an album and then listen to it heaps and heaps and heaps mm. and then be like, okay, well, he also played on this album and listen to that album heaps and heaps and heaps. Nowadays, I just find, yeah. you know, I, I, I just, I don't know, I'm just swimming in this ocean of information. And, and you, f- you do find some really great stuff by fluke. Exactly. But you, you don't, you, none of us are giving it the time. No, that, that and it's it impossible and to give the time. And we can't filter out the obvious yeah. um, opinions about it that are there. Yeah, like exactly. I mean, that for, there's, that it's a love-hate relationship, mm. and I'm sure every single musician that mm. that grew up in the analog in the analog age, I guess, as an analog native, I think we all agree that it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to our music and to music to mm. in terms of um, distribution, distribution, like, output, all that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. I can I can record an album today and today, and it, it's on Bandcamp yep. tonight. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I'm. I'm, well, I'm not going to say I'm not making money from it, but no. I'm, you know, I'm, yeah, yeah, people yeah. listen to it. It's and out there. You, you can know? you can increase people's awareness of yeah. you and where you're exactly. at. Exactly. It's it's, it's oh, there's the, nothing not even like overnight. It. No, instantly, Same day. instantly. Yeah. But with that, it, you know, we've just lost intrigue. And I, mm. I mean, I remember I, reading about um, and because I, I, you sound like you're ex- exactly in this camp too. I remember reading Questlove talking about um, how I think it's in his memoir. He talks about um from the earliest age, seeking out those records that you'd hear were slightly disastrous by someone really important. You know, like, <laughs> like yes, he loved Inner Visions and Songs yeah. in the Key of Life, but he was fascinated to get his head around Secret uh, Journey into Plants. Oh, this, yeah, 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 man. Which is actually, which I'm the same with, you know, like even before I read that, I was like, I, Totally. This guy, this guy had one of the most incredible runs of music. Yeah, ever. And, and what is that album? And then he releases a docu- you know, soundtrack to a documentary about plants or whatever, and it's mostly instrumental. Yeah. And but it's got a couple of killer tracks on it. It does. And it actually, look, with time, it plays really nicely at mm. the right time. But the first couple of times you hear that, maybe the first four or five, you're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, but, the, totally. but is anyone going to go away from listening to us talk mention that now? who's not heard it and play it five or six or seven times? Probably not. They're going to skip 
three yeah. or four seconds of each. Yeah, yeah. And then go fuck it. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know, I'm I'm better off with talking book, which you probably are. You probably are. But yeah. That's the fun thing about you know I love you know my favourite period whenever I go back into Dylan. I love listening to the eighties albums. Find sure. out trying to wonder what the fuck he was doing. Exactly. There's some magic stuff there. Yeah. Infidels has always I've always liked, but just recently I've mm. got really obsessed with that again. Yeah. And maybe like it more now than I ever did. Mm. Um, but there's and Oh Mercy is really strong, but there's some disastrous stuff totally around that. But it's fascinating. Yeah. Like this guy could do no wrong for so long. Totally. And all of those dudes, you know, I think that made it big in the 60s and 70s, you know, Stevie Wonder was the same. They kind of struggled to work out what the fuck they were doing in the 80s. Exactly. And that's really fascinating to me, you know, like I've always, but yeah, I don't know if people can be bothered doing much more than a skim now. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, but as I said, that love-hate mm. thing, it's it's real, it's deep, mm. Mm. you know. Um, yeah, it's a conflict. It's It really is a conflict. Yeah. And, um, you know, I sometimes... I, I sometimes wish that uh, that the internet didn't come along, and just yeah. to see what what would have happened with yeah. with music, with art, with with any sort of creative endeavor, with relationships as well. Mm. You know, like so many people live their lives online, their mm. their personal lives online, and you know, like I think I think these rising levels of of depression and and just just people just feeling really detached from mm. society I think a, a, a part of it is is the internet is the yeah, fact well, that we don't have this one-on-one instant, anymore it's one on a billion yeah so it's trying to find someone in that mass that will respond to you in the mm. way that you feel you deserve to be responded you know you responded yeah. to which is fucking crazy yeah. you know like yeah, yeah. seeking that out instant gratification hit you know totally. I don't I want I want buy-in from someone totally Preferably, I'd like them to tell me what I already think about myself exactly. and my work, which and is fucking stupid. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and this is the whole kind of like scrolling mm. down. It's mm. like it's it's the, the mindless gym. Well, it's the, but it's 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 behind the scenes. Like the brain is is um, releasing all that dopamine, you know, with, mm. with nothing in return. Yeah. So like we're 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 telling our brains that ah, oh, this is this is an amazing thing for us. Look at mm. all this information coming in. This yeah. is just so good for us. This is making us feel so good. Look how many actually, things I can be across. Exactly, but it's actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. not, yeah. you know. Yeah. And so anyway, so here we are talking about the internet again. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. but it's, you know, I I, I I have a struggle with it. I, you know, I, I'm, I think all of us are internet addicts. Mm. I'm, I'm definitely addicted to it. I'm addicted mm-hmm. to my phone. Like, mm-hmm. I find myself just looking at it and not even thinking about it. Yeah, right? yeah. And yeah, I, totally. You know, and it takes a lot to kind of to train yourself out of that. Like I've started, I've said to myself that I'm not going to look at my phone if I'm walking. Mm. Right? If I'm walking, yeah. phone's in the pocket, right? And if I need to look at it, I stop walking. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's hard. That's amazing, amazing <laughs> that you could even come up with that and then pat yourself on the back for that. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, it's a good thing goals, to do. Right? Yeah, Hashtag life goals. Exactly. Yeah. We'll I, I, I started wearing a watch again so that I didn't look at my yeah. phone to see the time because then you go, oh, I'll just see who likes me. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I yeah. actually started wearing a watch again. Also, I don't go over, flick the mouse, look at the computer, yeah. see what the time is. Mm. Oh, one message. I'll sit down and respond to that now. You know, and, mm. and it's worked a little bit, but I'm still obviously on, I mean, no, I work at home, so I'm online all the time. Well, a lot of your job is, yeah, is yeah. like oh, is sure. consistently online. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, yeah, and you're, yeah. That's how you're broadcasting. Yeah, and... absolutely. So it has its, you know, mm. it, it's what I say, it's a conflict because it's, as you've said, um, for you and, and for musicians putting stuff out there, a lot of good things have no, happened to all amazing. of us. Like, that would, that would, and not only good things, things that you 
couldn't comprehend mm. if you know I mean right, right, you know you know I want to research someone and I want to get hold of someone and you'd never dream of you know just taking a stab in the phone book and ringing someone exactly and you hear these stories of people that did that mm. and that's you know and they've got great yarns about it but you just wouldn't do that these days but and, and you know it's not even six degrees of separation yeah. now. it's one or two moves totally. and, you're, and you're there totally you well, can send an email to the person that made one of your favorite records and you might get a re- reply it's exactly well fun, funny you should say that and it's this brings me back yeah. to van halen as well of course um you know of course <laughs> i uh oh, a few years ago now probably i don't know eight eight or nine maybe ten years ago now um i had this idea to to make an album with all of the people that that really inspired me when yeah. i was younger yeah. you know so i was thinking you know charlie hunter um i wanted David Lee Roth to sing yeah. a tune, right? Yeah, yeah. For me to collaborate with Diamond Dave. Yeah, yeah. And so I was like, right, I'm going to contact him. So I got online, you know, and this was, you know, this was 10 years ago. So I mean, obviously the internet's well and truly ingrained, you know, but um, I got in touch with his, uh, his manager mm. um, and, and it was amazing. I got this reply and it's one of the, the, my favorite replies ever. Mm. They said, yes, you know, David Lee Roth would be, interested in work, yeah. working with you we need a uh, uh, an official transcript of your bank account to see that you have um, at least one million US dollars in your bank account <laughs> right yeah at least one million US dollars and I'm just like wow we didn't even talk about fees right yeah they just probably needed to know that they could sue me yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I don't know yeah. but I found that fascinating and I loved that yeah, it's like well there's yeah. no way I'm ever going to touch David Lee Roth but yeah yeah but you've got confirmation but I, of it but I got I contacted <laughs> you him an, you had an interaction I had an interaction and it was yeah. amazing it was fascinating yeah. to me I'm, I'm <laughs> we keep having these moments of of, of having quite um Profound connection to the same thing, and I'm interested you brought up Charlie Hunter then because I kind mm. of think he's um, some sort of um, underrated is not the word, but maybe an undervalued or underappreciated genius. I, oh, I mean, his music uh, really caught me at a at, at an important time, and it yeah. felt like it felt like the kind of future of something. Mm. And you know, I've I've actually had I've actually exchanged a couple of emails with him. He's a cool. really good dude, and 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 um, you know, I always kind of follow what he's up to and I haven't listened to every single thing but I check mm. back in every so often and he's continued to do really amazing stuff but yeah. it's a name I think that you know man right back from the I mean I first discovered him with um, uh, when he was playing in the Disposable Heroes of, Hip- of yeah, Hypocrisy yeah, right. you know yeah, like yeah, Michael yeah. Franti's band yeah, yeah. back in the mid 90s early yeah. 90s yeah. and there's that tune on, on I don't know what the album's called but it's the one with that um, TV The Drug of a yeah, Nation yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the track's called Music and Politics um, and yeah. um, and it's just Charlie yeah. and, is and Franti Hypocrisy is the greatest luxury or is that another song mm. on there? Yeah, yeah. I know that album yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 but like that's you know and that's the first I heard him doing that that kind yeah. of baseline yeah, comping yeah. sort of thing yeah. and I love that you know if only I could stop thinking about music and politics. It's just like, yeah. loved it. And then it's just like, oh, here's this Charlie Hunter guy who's had this guitar design for him. Yeah, yeah. With the slanty frets and three bass strings, five guitar strings. And, you know, and that first, that actually, no, sorry, it's the second solo album. Um, bing, bing, bing. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Amazing. With the Nirvana cover. Oh, man, exactly. But the way amazing. that starts. The whole album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh totally. And I heard that when I was in high school as well. Yeah, that was yeah. just like mind blowing. And the um what was the band they did with all the um 
T.S. Kirk? No, T.J. Kirk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like they only played Thelonious Monk, James That's Brown, right. and Roland Kirk. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They call the band T.J. Um, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of albums. And totally. Uh, aren't there like three saxophone players on that? Or but, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's it's. Imagine, it's <laughs> imagine you'd be into that. Oh, absolutely. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Charlie Hunter's. Yeah. He's just one of those incredible creators, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, kind of like uh, live looping in a way. What yeah, he's doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, you know, a friend of mine's got one of his guitars, like one of the, the mm. you know, those those kind of custom guitars, and. Man, it's hard to play. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. it's so hard. To play. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's doing, it's literally doing two different things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So. He's, he's he's excellent. But yeah, yeah. I, I I agree that he's yeah. undervalued. Yeah, um, just underknown or something. Like, mm. You know, like you know, everyone who gets into his work, like anything, obviously knows a lot of it and thinks yeah. it's great. I'm, I really mm. love that. I actually thought um, that I saw someone post about it recently, and it made me go back to it. He did that cover of. Um, was it the whole Natty Dread album? Oh, yeah. That's so good. I listened to yeah, that, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, like I, every couple of weeks, man. Yeah, I hadn't heard that for a few years. And yeah. I'm just And I'm sort of going back through all this so kind of... Good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and yeah, that's the, the two saxophone players. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, that's excellent. Yeah. An excellent, excellent album. It's just yeah, called yeah. Natty Dread, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's a, Great it's cover, a, too. I've got the vinyl. Yeah. It opens up, and it's got, like, that uh, the, the woven leaves uh, sort cool. of design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. That's wow. a rad, rad album, man. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably be my favourite. Yeah, I think Charlie it's Hunter album. Possibly is, like the best. Yeah. Um, utilization of what and representation of what he does yeah. and can do. You totally. know, and it sort of has that, I guess, that gimmick, but it's not too much of a gimmick. Exactly. You know, like exactly. It's, it's, it's sincere. It's not like yeah. a party trick. Yeah. It's um. There's a a, a real interesting take on an album that already you know. Exactly, and because. Uh, I read a I read an interview about it um, as well with him, and you know when when the label approached him to do a, one mm. of these classic albums, mm. he said he was he was just you know the first thing he thought of was to do like a Stevie Wonder album mm. or you know or mm. something mm. from those like like iconic kind mm. of yeah, soul. Yeah soul funk sort of yeah, yeah. musicians but then he thought you know no I want to think outside the box a little bit mm. and to do that particular album as well the mm. Natty Dread mm. it's like it's not the most well known Bob Marley album mm. you know I mean maybe it is with No Woman No Cry but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that's probably the only song that people recognise from it maybe yeah. maybe um, Lively Up Yourself yeah you know? yeah, but, yeah yeah but the yeah, others no, are... it's not chock full of classics no 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 it's a very good album though it's but, a fantastic but, album and actually I think probably it was I mean, I you know obviously knew Bob Marley already and liked some of his stuff, but I think it was probably the Charlie Hunter version and Eddie Dread that that brought you back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that totally got me into the actual original album. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Which I love, but mm. yeah, it probably is because of that. Yeah, definitely. So you what jump into bands, mm. all go blazing, doing what, playing where, pubs. Um, well, moved up to Adelaide to um, uh, to, to study jazz, mm. you know, at the at the con, and um, and that's when I started, yeah, playing in bands really really early on from mm. like first year, mm. and um, and I didn't, I, I never understood why why other people in the course weren't out there playing, mm. you know, like I was mm. constantly doing gigs, mm. you know, and I found that it was just so important to, to me to be out there practicing what I was being taught, mm. but then also going out to see gigs as well. There's, you know, there was, it was a really, really kind of, um, healthy jazz scene in mm. Adelaide in the late nineties. And, um, yeah. And so I, that was the next, you know, well, it was three years, but physically probably 10 mm. of my life. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it was, uh, lots of fun, lots of fun. And, um, that's when I, 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 
for my honours degree, I studied um, Indian music, Indian mm. classical music, mm. and um, working with a wonderful sitar player, Dr. Chandrakant Sardeshmak, who, um, like, sadly, he, he was killed in a car crash about uh, five, six years ago, and um, he, was, he was amazing. He was kind of the guy that really, really changed my focus, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I would I would sit with him for for you know many hours and go through Indian music and how we can kind of marry it with jazz and you know all that sort of stuff and it was an incredible moment um, and that's that's when it, I guess my my musical ears opened to all these other possibilities mm. you know with with genres and um, yeah that's that was kind of like I think one of the other kind of light bulb moments yeah yeah, yeah where where I was able to tap into another, like a deeper, deeper level of emotion through through kind of playing this music. And the great thing about about Indian classical music is the the ragas are, are based mostly around um, scales that are consistent with with Western harmony yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know the first one you learn is is um, it's it's called uh, Yaman Kalyan, which is essentially a Lydian scale, um, and the Lydian scale. Is that's my favourite sound in 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 Western harmony and um, and in Eastern as well. And so there was all of these sort of similarities, but it was just you know there's just the way in which you played it and mm. um, and the discipline behind it, which was really fascinating to me. Like I'll never forget the first time I sat down with him. I I pulled out my Zoom recorder like I'm talking yeah. to right now and um, press record, and, and he he was. Like I walked past his his room and um, he was meditating and mm. and I thought, well, this is cool, you know. Like yeah, I'd yeah. never really had any 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 contact with Indian musicians until this this day and um, so I sat down and you know the the people his hosts brought in a, a cup of tea and you know lit the incense and said, oh, um, uh, Dr. Sardeshmark will be in mm. um, shortly and. And he walked in, and um, it was you know he just exuded this, this other other aura, yeah. this vibe, which I'd, I had no I had no understanding of, and I just knew that he was a, a heavy, heavy, heavy dude. And um, so I started I press record, and he's like, no, 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 you know you must um, you, you 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 must listen. Yeah. You know, you know, and um, someone's trying to call me. Do you want to take that? No, that's all good. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and so he said, you must listen. Mm. You know, and don't write anything down either. Just listen. And so he basically told me all this stuff for about 45 minutes, right? And then he uh, he said, right, I'm going to leave now. And I'll be come back in 10 minutes. And then you teach me everything I just taught you. And he left. And I'm yeah. like sitting there going, holy crap. Yeah. What? And so I started <laughs> writing all this stuff. And he came back after about 10 minutes. And then he was the student, hmm. you know. And I, I tried to <laughs> tell him. Yeah. What what, you yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 what, what, yeah. What I knew, and I and I instantly regretted all those beers I had the night before, and um, <laughs> but it was it was fascinating. It was wow. such a great way of 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 kind of establishing that teacher student relationship, mm, mm. where it's like actually no 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 no, it's not him teaching me, mm. it's us having this conversation, and and him trying to get a message across that I can decipher in my own language because there was obviously a language barrier as well mm. um, and also a musical language barrier also but mm. so I took in what I what I thought was right told him told him again and then he would then come back and tell me you know how I can sort of change my my view on it yeah. and, and it was fascinating so it was, 
that, that, that relationship mm. thing was, was really, really deep. And I, you know, hearing that, that's the first time I, I've known that about you, but that clearly directly informs your your playing approach from that point on. So yeah. Certainly what we started talking about and what we'll get to in a minute, because I know you've got to go, but the, um, you know, when you come to Wellington, and mm. as I say, you get involved in all these things, but it isn't, it isn't just for personal gratification mm. or for, you know, to money or any of those things that are all part of it. You've got to earn a wage and you yeah, want to yeah. be involved in things and you want to practice your art, but you're giving a whole lot as well as receiving it. You know, it is that, yeah. that, that two way relationship. And you, um, so before we get into the Wellington thing, like when do you start, um, adding these instruments to your, mm. to your catalog of sounds that you can make things from? Obviously you've got this background, you play the drums, you, you think, you know, you start, start on the drums and then you pick up the saxophone. Mm. You, when do you start tinkering with all sorts of other things? Well, this is, this is another story. <laughs> um, so I, I imagine we're probably going to get to the point where, um, you know, we've heard all these stories and not much about my music, but that's yeah, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was working on cruise ships um, for about three and a half years playing in bands and that was so great, you know. Um, we were in the Caribbean in uh, just out of St. Thomas and um, I had a scuba diving accident and I nearly died. And uh, so my um, my lung burst at about 85 feet and um, not badly, but one of like the side of it. And I, and I felt weird, really, really weird. And um, sort of, you know, went back up with my buddy and um, uh, essentially my, my lung, as I said, burst. Uh, air went into my chest cavity, all around my heart casing, up into my neck. Um, and so I went, I went to a hospital in Barbados and, um, and they were like, what have you done? You know, and it was a thing called pneumomediastinum where, um, your cavity gets filled with air basically. Mm. And I had all these bubbles in my neck, right. And which you could move around and it's called surgical emphysema. And what that is, is when you get surgery and they close you up and Mm. there's still air inside and it has to travel somewhere. So it travels up into your neck and then it just sort of dissolves after a few weeks. And so the doctors are just like, you've, what? And so they took all these x-rays and said like, you know, not even 2% of people should survive this stuff. So it was really heavy. And, um, uh, eventually I was able to fly and went back to Australia and, um, saw a hyperbaric surgeon there and he said to me um, that one day um, I'll, it'll, my, my lung will burst again and I won't have any control over it and I'll probably not be able to play the saxophone again, right? And so that was a huge thing for me, yeah. you know, and I won't be able to play any wind music again because it, like, yeah, and he said, and, yeah, it's gonna, yeah. and he said it's gonna really hurt this yeah. time. Next yeah. time I'm like, wow, that's some interesting information. Yeah. So, so that was when I kind of thought to myself, right, if I can't play the saxophone anymore, and if I survive, whatever is going to happen yeah, yeah, to me, yeah. um, what would I play? And I decided, because I already played piano, but mm. I thought bass. I just love the bass, you know. And yeah. I, th- I thought that you know I could probably uh, sort of uh, exert my creativity through this instrument more than anything else. And so, um, bought a bass and started practicing bass, and then sort of that's when I kind of got into the looping pedal thing and sort of started playing a bit more guitar and and then sort of like, oh, what other instruments? What other, okay, this, this, this and the other. So all these like non-blowy instruments, yeah, right? Yeah. And then it just sort of evolved into this thing that it is today. And But it all came from that, that one mm. kind of really 
awful experience. Mm. And I mean, I haven't thought about the fact that it, this will happen one day for a couple of years until right. now. So it's yeah. not in, it's not in yeah, my yeah. mind. It wasn't in my mind for yeah, a few yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say it'd take a while to get it yeah. out. Yeah, and up. sometimes I would feel some pain, kind of... Phantom pain, sort of. Exactly, oral. yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was So when do you thing. pick the saxophone up again, though? Because it, it's a still, in many ways, a primary instrument. Yeah, right? yeah, oh, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I had to really reevaluate the way I played as well. Yeah. So I would... Um, and I, I could... Because the, the, the doctor said to me, do you remember a time that you hurt your lung, like playing the saxophone? And I remembered it was playing in this group called Funkomatic 3000. I was playing my soprano saxophone. It was this hot, sweaty gig. People were going nuts. And I was playing. I was just going for it, going for it, going for it, going for it. And then I felt like someone had jabbed me in the side with a knife and I could barely breathe. And he's like, that was well, when, a, that was when you damage. ruptured your lung. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at 85 feet... Diving down. Diving yeah. down, it reburst, yeah. and that's when, because of all the compressed air and, wow. you know. And so he said, look, you're going to have to really reevaluate the way you do this. And so from that moment, I took on a more, you know, like, I guess, meditative approach where I, I just took better breaths of air and I, and I would stop playing with my lines before I actually ran out of air. Yeah. You yeah. know, because I, yeah. I look back and I used to do that all the time. You used to keep blowing, keep blowing, keep blowing. Yeah, yeah. And that's the Coltrane thing, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and like Take the damn horn out yeah, of your mouth. Yeah, totally. Take it out of your mouth. <laughs> you, needed, so, you needed miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's that's kind of what, yeah, that's what I did. And I, yeah. I started really slowly. And, um, and in many ways that did kind of redefine the way I played. I, th- yeah. I thought about it and I used to play too many notes. And now I probably still do play too, play too, I play too many notes. But... <laughs> But it, there's definitely a, a different connection to the, the mm. horn since then, and, and now it's it's habit, you know, yeah, it's habitual. Yeah. So I'm not actually thinking about the fact that I have to kind of take better breaths. But yeah. you know, but it's just yeah, it's a natural thing now. So you do the solo show, the the fringe kind of thing. You come here, you mm. do that. You you end up back here collaborating with Strike. Um, you move to Wellington mm. and start playing in about 43 bands. About that, yeah. 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 And, you, st- and I'm really proud that I, I started a bunch of gigs too. Yeah, yeah, you got you some know? things going yeah. for people. That are still going yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. these gigs. And, and you also, uh, and, you know, and, and we're only going to gloss over it, unfortunately, but you also, importantly, you do some pretty big composition gigs here. Mm. So you talk a bit about that. You collaborate with... A well, couple of our orchestras. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, write pieces for them. Mm, yeah, the a big part of my kind of my journey thus far. I hate the word journey, yeah, but yeah. you know, I'll say sometimes it. You need sometimes to. you yeah, need yeah, to. Sometimes you know, because it is. I, sometimes yeah. I do feel like I'm on the top of a mountain with you know, like the wind blowing in my beard with a you know, with a with a BC Rich guitar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Cool. Just go like yes, <laughs> you know, journey. Um, sun setting behind me, you know. Um, yeah, so I say I say yes to things that I know are going to be really, really difficult and out yeah. of my comfort zone. Yeah, often. Yeah. And so um, Samantha Cockrell, who worked um, at the ASO, she she contacted me and said, um, "Look, we we want uh, yeah, we want you to write a piece, as you know, a symphony." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Okay." never done it before yeah 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 you know I'd I'd done a lot of writing you know but I'd never had a composition um, lesson before yeah Um, 
luckily before then I was I was working on a show called In, Into the Uncanny sorry Into the Uncanny Valley which was um, a Bleakley um, like Charlie and Joe Bleakley uh, play yeah and I did the music for that and all sort of played live as well and that that particular show opened up this this quasi classical sound in my composition I don't know what it was but it just like it it it, it sort of redefined my 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 focus I guess compositionally and um uh so for me as soon as Sam said to write a piece it was kind of like it started writing itself immediately yeah you know I could I could hear it you know and I and I I noticed that there was a well it wasn't really that I could hear it I could see it and that was a, a, a thing that I now rely on like if I if I get asked to do a project um if in that first conversation, when they say, can you do this thing, within about two or three seconds, if I can't see it, I say no. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't explain it. But um, uh, it's, yeah, it, if, if I can see it happening and, and it, I don't think about it, it just sort of like plonks itself in my mind yeah. and I can see the end result. I can, I can see myself bowing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's yeah. this weird little kind of yeah, yeah. creative quirk, yeah. I yeah. guess. And so that I got that for the, for the first time with this NZSO project, knowing that it's like kind of take me ages, you know, yeah, but yeah. that was, there's a lot of steps between, you know, yeah. leading up to that bow. Exactly. But you exactly. See, but I could see myself, right. Could see the bow. And there's been, a, there's been a bunch of projects that I've yeah. been asked to do that I haven't seen. I haven't seen. And yeah. I've, I've said, look, I think there's someone else that can do this. Yeah better than me you know yeah, yeah. um i mean that's taken a long time to say no to things as well but uh but yeah so so that that was how that kind of came about and then then i spent like six months writing but i'd say a good three of those months were thinking yeah and going down to the south coast and just sitting on the rocks and looking out and just letting it percolate in my mind before yeah. i'd write a note and yeah and so before I actually hit the manuscript I knew exactly what was going to happen and and that's kind of how I look at composition still I spend a bunch of time just conceiving the ideas and and making sure the imagery is really really strong yeah you know um I can't I can't write a note without a meaning behind that note and so um yeah so that that was that was that kind of experience and then through that that was kind of like one of those crossroads in my career where um, it, I, I've, I became kind of redefined, you know, yeah, as yeah. not just a performer, but as a composer as well. And so moving back to Adelaide, uh, straight away, the ASO, the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, got in contact and got me involved. So you got a business well. card now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and again, at, <laughs> it was so funny. It was like meeting with the, the artistic team and um, I was doing a show with, a, with another friend of mine, a violinist, and, um, and he... Uh, he basically uh, had this sort of feature show, and um, and I was you know doing a lot of writing and playing as well. And um, uh, I was wondering, hang on, who's going to conduct this? Who's, who's con-? And so I asked Simon, the artistic director. I said, um, "Who's who's conducting the ASO?" And he's like, "You are." Um, he's like, "You'll be right with that, won't you?" And I'm like, "Sure." Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Thinking to myself, "Holy crap! What's, yeah, yeah. I've never conducted an orchestra in my life." And yeah. so, but it was just like, you know what? I can see myself doing it. I wonder how many people have written for and conducted an orchestra that have also earned some coins peeling a coomera or whatever on stage and turning that into a musical instrument. You know, well, there can't be many. I mean, and there's that great clip of um, Frank Zappa playing a bicycle yeah. on a TV show, you know, when he's about 22. Yeah. But, but I th- you know what? I think because I do that weird, zany stuff, I think, yeah. I think people... 
trust me. You know, well, uh, you, you know your hearts and everything. I was going to say like there you are working with a person like John Sarthus, mm. but there you are on stage with three of your mates that all play saxophones and you're doing like cheesy quirky covers or whatever yeah. and, and your hearts and every Absolutely. every note of you know Absolutely. and I've seen you play I mean we don't know each other very well we've, we've met a few times mm. and we've talked a few times but but I've seen you play quite a lot yeah. and, and listened to you play and you know you never you never put across that you don't want to be there at all no. and some musicians do and you'd know Absolutely. that from working with plenty some yeah, have yeah. shit going on in their lives or whatever or just mm. aren't feeling it but you are a really good faker if that's the case I never or fake like, never, yeah or you fake. never do I yeah, never yeah. fake I'm always so grateful to mm. be on stage I'm always so grateful to show up to my my composition room at the studio back in, back home and to mm. be writing I'm so thankful and you know and that payoff on stage there's nothing like it you know and so for mm. me man it's just I'm just so lucky so here you are in Wellington playing one show a few years after living here, mm. uh, do you miss it? And what's good about being back in Adelaide? Oh man, I miss Wellington so much. Um, what's good about being back in Adelaide? My, you know, my whanau is there. Mm. You know, my, my village is there. Yeah. Um, and that's why we moved back. Yeah. Um, when we were mo- when we were living over here, we we had uh, like six or seven deaths. You know, in the family and right. close friends, and then you realise the distance. Yeah, it's much and then, more than just uh, mm, two and a half hours time. Exactly. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, and and actually, like a, a two weeks before we were moving back home, one of my best friends died, and he was the, one of the saxophone players in the sax pla- right. in the sax pack that saxophone yeah. ensemble you saw. Yeah, yeah. And so he passed away, and that was like devastating. Mm. You know, and it still still is. And um, so we just knew that we had to be home, we had to be yeah. with our people. You yeah. know, and. Um, and like when when Mike passed away, that was the that was the last straw. It's just like yeah. what we you know we need we got to be home. We got to stay there. But but I think about Welly all the time. There's a there's a certain energy about this place, man. Yeah. There's you know we've been here for about five days, and as soon as we got off the plane, it was like you know well, we're home. You know I feel I feel like Wellington's still home. I'm sure there's a lot of people that will line up to tell you this, but I know you know people people talk about how you left something of a hole when you left because you're. Uh, quite a huge creative energy mm. you know you really and so well and I hope that I can I can which, remain yeah. kind of in that space as well and fill that hole when I come back but also have I mean I, I, I see last night I saw one of my buddies Ed Zicolo playing yeah. at the embassy and all of the all the charts they were playing were my charts from yeah, like five yeah. years ago and like so you're still here and, I, and, and like he's playing the same tunes that, yeah. I, that I played with those guys that I, that I introduced them to that's and, cool and it was rad that means, it was, that means you're still here yeah I walked away from that really happy mm. you know and mm-hmm. I, I looked at the charts on, on Ed's roads. I'm like, hey man, that's my yeah. music. He's like, yeah man. Now you 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 always seem to be doing like a hundred different things at once. So what's what's in the pipeline? The immediate pipeline? Um, I'm writing for the ASO again. Um, I've got I've got a record label called Wizard Tone Records. Mm. Um, a studio called Wizard Tone Studios in Adelaide, which is really great. <laughs> that's a that's a really fantastic part of my life in Adelaide. Um, and my my daughter as well. I'm a new dad. She's seven months yeah. old, and I love her to bits. And that's that's kind of redefined things for me as well. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, man, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I want to do for the rest of my life, man. Yeah. But um, um, also just taking things slow. You know, um, I've, I've really redefined things. I've stopped drinking. I stopped drinking 18 months ago. I meditate. I, you know, I'm just yeah. I don't know. Things are things are working out, man. Yeah, you yeah. know, things are working out. I'm. Um, 
so glad we got to do this because I realised when, when you rang this morning and said come down a bit earlier, I realised um, I think and you were going to be my very first podcast and I did not have my shit together right. and then you moved. Yeah. And it was like, sorry man, we'll do that some other time. Yeah. And, and it sounds like we need to do like part I know, two as well. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's just gonna be just gonna be the early Van Halen years. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, I, I need to let you go and but um yeah, it's been a, as I say, it's been a great pleasure to, oh, to, to see you again and to connect in this way. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I always try to follow what you're doing. There's there's slightly too much to be across it all at once. But <laughs> exactly. but is, you know, it's all good stuff. Awesome, man. Cool. Thank you. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a pleasure, and it's nice to just chew the fat. You mm. know, mm. and we'll uh, we'll I was, th- we'll I was thinking as well, like like, list- like listening to myself talking while I was yeah. you know, doing this podcast. It's just like, you know, am I talking too much shit? But it's just like, no. Actually, my favourite podcasts are the ones that you don't actually talk about the art. Yeah, You're yeah, just yeah. talking about yeah, stuff well, like Van Halen. You know, people <laughs> to get to know what what drives you or yeah, what's driven you. Totally, yeah. totally. Hey, thanks, heaps, Brad, man. Yeah.